0: Welcome to the Word Encounter episode 268 and the final episode of the Word Encounter series. Uh, We concluded our reading through the Bible yesterday, and today what I want to do is to give a New Testament summary and then just some parting words as we conclude this series. Uh, In the New uh, Testament, we start out with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the Gospels uh, go over the life of Jesus and Jesus has been, covers uh, Jesus' birth, and w- what we find in the Gospels is that there's a lot of overlap in the Gospels because uh, these are the accounts of Jesus' life from four different perspectives, And but it's and they're covering the same events. And so therefore, it makes sense that there would be a lot of overlap. And it's, a, it's assumed by some scholars that even some writings, uh, it's assumed that I think Mark was the first uh, uh, gospel written and that some of the other gospel writers actually borrowed some things out of uh, mark's accounting and so some things are almost exact verbatim in the different books, uh, but but then there are some things like in John um, that only John covers. And so, um, but again, you know the, the the gospels' the purpose is to reveal Jesus and who he is and and what he did, and um, and so the birth is covered, and then uh, Jesus's young life is covered also. So we find out, but not not an extreme amount of detail. We find out some things that he did when he was 12 years old, but between his birth and when he was 12, we don't really see that much. There's not really much of an accounting there. Um, we go through uh as Jesus uh, Jesus grows into a an adult male that, uh, he goes over his baptism as John baptized him and uh the lord said you know this is my son whom I'm well pleased you know listen to him and so uh so his 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 um his divinity was 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 kind of established and sealed with that word, when he came out of the lake uh, after John had baptized him, then we go on Jesus's travels in his ministries through the territories. You know, first he identifies his uh, disciples or who would be his uh, disciples. He says, "Come, follow me," and practically all of them just immediately dropped what they were doing and started to follow Jesus. And we go around, and he was healing the sick, he was preaching the word, he was feeding the people. You know, he was raising the dead. He did all kinds of things, presented all kind of miracles performed and executed all kind of signs and wonders and, and people would follow him he had great followings as he went around but as people tend to do people can be fickle and so they were fickle in those days just like they're fickle in these days and so uh, you know a lot of people would follow and then they would fall off you know and so that's just uh, the human condition, I guess, and then we go through jesus uh jesus's accusations and and his mock trials and his 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 uh verdict of guilty before kangaroo court and we find out that um uh, that they had many enemies mainly coming from uh the religious leaders you know and so because their power and their authority was being threatened by what Jesus was preaching and so he became a very 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 a uh, strong enemy of theirs who would not back down. He just, not, he doubled down, tripled down. He kept going forward. You know, he would call them vipers and snakes because they were uh, messing up the, uh, the reputation of his father. And so they, they convicted him in their kangaroo court. And then uh, we find out that uh, how he is to die he is to be crucified. And so we get taken through his experience of the crucifixion where um, he was mocked and spat on and pierced and everything while he was hanging on the cross there. And then, uh, you know, he, he, he dies um, and he gives up his spirit. But then we get into uh, the resurrection side of things where, you know, after the third day, then um, we see that um, he's resurrected, that, that his followers were come because they wanted the body. You know, they wanted to bury the body in the way that uh, they thought uh, would honor him, but nobody could find the body. And so the accounts of of them coming to find the body are somewhat different, you know, but they're all pointing to the same thing. The body's not there. (laughs) You know, He's not there. And uh, they get met with angels there. And he says, well, why are you looking for him? He has risen, you know, so there's no read to, to just like he told you he would rise. He has risen. So there's no there's nothing here for you to discover. And so then um, it says that he walked with the people for 40 days after he rose. And so, and many saw him, many witnessed him, you know, and and, uh, there were doubters uh, even amongst his followers, Thomas being the main one, you know, and Thomas says, I won't believe until you prove it to me, essentially. And he tells Thomas to see, you know, stick your fingers through my hands or my side. You you see, I've been pierced. And then Thomas falls down. He says, I believe, Lord. And then Jesus tells Thomas, you believe because you have seen. But blessed are those who believe that have not seen. And that points to us. You know, blessed are those who believe who have not seen me. You know, I believe with everything in me upon the Lord Jesus Christ, but I've never seen him. So he calls me blessed because I believe, but I had not seen. And then uh, after he walked the face of the earth for 40 days after he rose, he ascended into heaven. And this was witnessed by a lot of people. Him ascending into heaven to sit at the right hand of his father um, and to uh, make intercession for us. You know, so he's our advocate right now in heaven, making an intercession for us. And so that in a nutshell, in a very quick nutshell, if you will, kind of goes over the gospels and what's presented there. And then we move into the book of Acts and the complete name is the Acts of the Apostles. And so the things that they did after Jesus had ascended. And so we see here that after Jesus has ascended, you know, Jesus also tells them, you know, it's better for you that I go. So that I can send one just like me, except he's going to be in you. And so as Jesus vacates, the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit is poured out on, uh, amongst the people on Pentecost. And it says the people were speaking in different languages, you know, yet they were being understood by people. And they didn't understand how can they speak in my language? You know, they don't know my language. They were being powered by the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit was poured out. You know, and, and, and numbers were being added to them. Believers were being added to them. Jesus had gone now, but now uh, the apostles powered by the Holy Spirit were, were, were preaching a powerful word and signs and wonders were confirming what they were saying. And so numbers were being added to them. And so the apostles start going out on mission trips, if you will, and numbers are being added. They're constantly being added. Around about this time, we get introduced to Saul. Saul. And Saul was a persecutor of the way, you know, the way is what was called or way uh, Christianity was called back in the day, in the early days, it was called the way. And so Paul was a, a persecutor of the way because he saw this as a threat to Judaism. And so he was a good Jew. And so he was going out to put down this heresy that was going on, you know, amongst his people. And so he was going uh, to Damascus. He was going out of his territory to go persecute some more uh, people of the way. But he was met on the way by the Lord. And he had this tremendous experience. And then he was renamed from Saul to Paul. And then he was blinded for a number of days, and then he went to a a a Christ-believing person, and his uh, his um, sight was restored. And initially, the Christians didn't want they didn't trust Paul because they knew he had been one who had been persecuting them. But Paul proved himself to them because he would go he would Paul would would preach Christ to any and everybody, you know, even his probably his former colleagues, former bosses, if you will. And so Paul earned the respect and the trust of the disciples and the other Christians at the time. He was willing to be persecuted, and he was persecuted for his beliefs and what he was saying. We got to remember that Paul was a terrorist of his time to those people, but he got turned. And so when Paul got turned, he became a mighty weapon in the body of Christ and his weapon, his weaponry or his weapon of choice, I should say, was the spoken word, you know, was the preached word. He was preaching the truth. So then Paul goes out and his ministry was to the Gentiles, you know, and so there was uh, always this big schism between uh, Paul and the the, uh, Jewish uh, apostles with regard to what to do with this thing called circumcision. And so, to the Jews, the males had to be circumcised, you know, in order to be um, legitimate Christians. But Paul was saying, no, 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 no. This is not a requirement according to the Lord. You're putting this on people according to your tradition. See, and we're not to add anything to the gospel message. You know, the gospel message is about preaching the good news of Christ that you do not have to stay in the condition that your sin has rendered you, that you can, in fact, have eternal life. This is the good news. And so a prequalifier with regard to being circumcised is not required. And so this is what was Paul. Paul had to deal with this constantly throughout his mission trips and whatnot because um, uh, the Jewish believers and the Jewish Christians, they wanted the circumcision thing to be imposed on everybody else. Now, we have to remember, when we talk about circumcision, the, the Jews, Jew, uh, Jewish males were circumcised on the eighth day after they were born. And so they were requiring this of people who were adult males. Can you imagine that? You know, uh, Allowing yourself to be circumcised as an adult versus you know on the eighth day of your life. You don't know. You don't remember anything. And so they were requiring some things that were simply not a part of the gospel message. And Paul would have to come against that on numerous occasions. And so, Paul goes on his mission trips then, and um, he's, 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 he's preaching the word. He's, um, you know, founding churches, you know, in, in different communities around Asia, Asia Minor, and the Middle East in that territory, you know, Ephesus, Corinth, you know, a lot of different, you know, uh, 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 Philippi, a lot of different places in that, in that region. He's building these churches. He's preaching the word of God. And again, his, his ministry is to the Gentiles. And then after Acts, we get into Paul's letters, the 13 epistles and nine of the letters are written to churches, you know, churches, uh, Paul either founded or he preached or territories he preached at. Or preached in, I should say. And um, nine of his letters are to churches. And then we uh, find three pastoral letters. And those are to uh, Timothy and Titus. And so these are ones he considered to be his sons in the faith. And they were leaders of churches. And so uh, he wrote three letters to them. And then there's Philemon, which is kind of a hybrid between the two. To the nine churches, basically, the letters would cover uh, doctrinal teachings. And then he would write about the application of that doctrine and specifically about how to, how to do certain things to fulfill the doctrine. You know, how do we do? Because it's one thing just to get theoretical messages. It's another thing uh, to get a, a, a recipe book. You know, how to, how do we do this? Yes, we understand the teaching. Yes, we get why. Yes, we understand its importance, but we don't know how to execute it. And so Paul would get into uh, the why or or the how to's. He he obviously do the why to's and the how to's with regard to um, his letters. He also wrote or included in his letters was encouragement, you know, because a lot of times people were under heavy persecution. And so they needed to be encouraged in the things of the Lord. And so he would do that. And he would uh, also uh, uh, write and um, reprimand. He would also have to rebuke sometimes, and, rec- uh, and reprimand some people, or some notions and thoughts, uh, you know, theories, if you will, philosophies that were in uh, the believers' heads. And so, as as we read through his letters, you know, we 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 come across these themes and these concepts that he's getting out there. In the three pastoral letters, which would be First and Second Timothy and Titus, um, he's writing basically. Uh, encouragement and guidance because these are young men and so they're young men and so when you're young you have more challenges when you're trying to lead people who are older than you and so um uh, and so they were having these challenges and so paul would right to encourage them would right to tell them that you are the right person at the right time you know your age is not a factor here and he would give them guidance and whatnot and so that was very important and then philemon uh was a specific thing and Philemon, basically, he was writing uh, him uh, about guidance specifically in the area of reconciliation. Uh, Philemon had an issue with somebody who used to work with him or work for him, I should say. And that person ran away from him. And Paul is delivering that person back to Philemon. Apparently, when this person left, he also stole uh, from, from this person. And so Paul is sending him back, essentially sending the thief back to the one he stole from and giving guidance, uh, to the man to Gaius uh, with regard to how to deal with this situation. So we find some very practical, um, things that, you know, Paul is talking about, uh, in his letters. So again, it's not all doctrinal. It's not all, um, theological i mean this is this is practical things how to again how to execute how to do then we move on in the hebrews and the author of hebrews is unknown and so it's written to jewish christians thinking of returning see to judaism and so why would they be thinking this because they were under heavy persecution you know not only from non non-believers, uh, non-believers but also from non-christian jews which was the largest segment of Jews. You know, most of the Jews did not convert to Christianity. And so there's a high degree of pressure on the uh, Jewish Christians to renounce Christianity and return to Judaism. And so Paul is writing, or not Paul, but the the, the writer is writing in Hebrews, you know, uh, encouraging them uh, not to do it. And to convince them, you know, and there's a lot of theology here, or you see a lot of doctrine in Hebrews, convincing them while, why Christ and his new covenant is superior to the old covenant that came through Moses. And so he's presenting a lot of doctrine with regard to why this is so. I personally find Hebrews to be relatively fascinating. Um, and, uh, and and so it's... in it's, it, while it's written to the Jewish Christians in order to get them to see that the new covenant is superior to the old covenant, those of us who aren't Jews or don't have Jewish lineage, you know, it's still important in my opinion to, to go through Hebrews because it will, it, it will give you doctrinal foundation as to why we believe what we believe and why it is in fact accurate. And so we, from there we go on to James in the book of James, was written by Jesus' brother. And he was writing to confront hypocritical practices and teach correct Christian behavior. You know, and so James uh, was not satisfied with how people were behaving. And he was kind of in your face, you know, with regard to how they were um, behaving in a fashion that was hypocritical to what was being preached. And so, James is also, for that reason, another very important book to digest. Then we went into first and second Peter, and Peter is writing basically to encourage persecuted believers. You know, believers all over the territory were being persecuted, either by uh, non-Christian Jews or by Gentiles. And so they were being persecuted. And he wrote to encourage their growth in the faith and to increase their knowledge of Jesus. The best way to combat these things is to know why you believe what you believe. See, a lot of people uh, state what they believe, but they can't tell you, they can't communicate to you why. If they can't communicate to you why, then imagine how hard it is for them to communicate to themselves why. And so knowing why you believe what you believe, based on sound doctrine, that is grounded and founded in the Word. In my in my opinion, is very important. And so Peter is uh, encouraging people to do this, and he's also warning against false teachers, because we find this consistent in a lot of other letters with regard to people uh, coming in to the church after uh, apostles had come in, preached the Word, founded new churches. You know, new churches growing people would come in a lot of times non-christian jews would come in and try to uh, distort some of the teachings or turn certain things within the people this is false teaching and so we see uh, that this was a a, you know an epidemic really uh, in the churches at that time and then we move on to first second and third john and john is very intimate in his, in his theology. And he's encouraging them, encouraging the believers uh, for intimate fellowship with Jesus. You know, it's one thing to have sound doctrine, to believe sound doctrine, to be on the right, in the right place with sound doctrine. That's awesome. And I believe that's necessary, but it's another thing to have intimacy With the Lord, to have intimate fellowship with Jesus. And if I'm gonna be perfectly honest, this is an area that I have to drastically improve in my intimate fellowship with Jesus. And so John is writing with regard to this, and he's also writing and warning against false teaching. And so, you know, we, we can be filled with the word and whatnot, but our heart might still not be where it needs to be our hearts still might not be soft enough. And that's uh, that's where fellowship or intimate fellowship with Jesus comes into place. If we have that intimate fellowship with Jesus, then our hearts can't help but be softened. And then we have more mercy and compassion for our fellow man. And so it goes on um, from there uh, to the book of Jude. And uh, uh, this is, you know, Jude is, is James and Jesus's brother. And um, Jude is writing to encourage the church in their uh, in their vigilance, vigilance in what? In opposing heresy. And so again, we have the situation where false teaching is trying to infiltrate things. Uh, things and Jude is writing uh, against this, um, uh, this, uh, or to keep keep an eye out. You know. To, 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 to have, uh, you know, your soldiers, you know, standing on the wall, so to speak, looking out for heresy that's coming into the church. Okay, and then from Jude, we go into the book we just concluded, the book of Revelation. And Revelation, the complete title, Revelation of Jesus, you know, it completes the revelation of Jesus. So we, we know about Jesus as a human being through the Gospels, And the message he came to preach, you know, Jesus says, I came to destroy the works of the enemy, the works of the enemy were trying to turn God's children against God. So Jesus came to make reconciliation, make a path of reconciliation for man back to God. And that is destroying the works of the enemy. And uh, and so we have that picture, but revelation completes the picture of Jesus You know, we see Jesus now in his fullness with regard to what happens or what is to happen in the future and how all of this is to culminate. And so uh, Revelation reveals God's ultimate plan for his adversaries, unbelievers, and his church and his people. And so uh, Revelation uh, can be a challenge to read because there's a lot of symbolism, in Revelation, and so, and we, we do the best we can to make sure uh, our associations with the different symbolic themes and, and people or animals or whatever are accurate, and so it can be a challenge to get through. And that is my summary, if you will, of the New Testament. My final words and thoughts on the word encounter theory, uh, series. It's been nine months, almost exactly nine months. No, exactly not nine months, not almost. I started this series on August 1st in 2020, and today is May 1st, 2021, and that's nine months. I think that may be a little bit prophetic because that is the length of time that it takes to birth a baby. So hopefully this baby will be birthed birthed, and there will be a lot of people with new life out there uh, who've uh, received what they've needed if they've been standing on the fence with regard to this thing called Christianity, with regard to this person called Jesus. um, For those maybe even who didn't believe, hopefully this has something to do with one turning from their disbelief into belief. And for those who were already believers, even strong believers, hopefully going through this series has encouraged you uh, to endure, to persevere and to press on. I believe that uh, I don't know when anybody else has gotten through this out there, but I believe that I've gotten more than anybody has gotten uh, out of this series uh, as I have preached and studied and talked to myself throughout this entire thing. And hopefully that has opened up a pathway uh, for the Lord to pour directly into my brain (laughs) because Lord knows that I need it. I would say, where do you go from here? Keep studying the word. Keep filling your soul with the word of God, but don't just study. Act on your studies, you know. If, if, if I believe if you open your brain, if you open your mind to what the Lord has to say to you through his word, then you will have no alternative except to act. You you, you won't be able to not act. And so follow through. You have the choice with regard to obedience. You can obey the word or you can choose not to obey the word, but the choice is yours. That's the power that God has given us. He's given us the power of choice so we can execute to do things according to that choice or not. I would say overcome all discouragements. In following this path, there are going to be discouragements and they're going to come from uh, directions unforeseen. You may have uh, obstacles coming from close friends, You may have obstacles coming from family members. You may have obstacles coming from coworkers. You may have obstacles coming from within yourself. I would say not to not get discouraged because we all get discouraged. I would say overcome the discouragements, whichever ones that appear. Overcome them. Persevere. Persevere endure. We see in in Revelation in particular, you know, with regard to rewards that are doled out to those who have persevered, to those who have endured, to those who did not give up. And so persevere. Discouragements will come. That's not a sin. Succumbing to the discouragements that can get you off track. Get back on track by overcoming and keep going. For those of you who have watched or listened to part of this series or all of this series, um, I don't know what to say, <laughs> uh, except that do not let these words fall in vain. You know, pursue Christ, chase him, grab onto his robe, don't let go. It's been an honor and a privilege to be able to communicate his word to you. Hopefully, I've done so in a manner that has not distorted his word. I take very seriously the warning and revelation that says, do not add or do not subtract anything from this word. See, there are a lot of people out there that want to make his word say what they want it to say in order to manipulate people to do what they want them to do. Don't let that be you. Don't let that be you as far as distorting his word to manipulate other people, and don't let that be be you as far as you being manipulated by other people's distortion of the word. Whenever you have a question, and you should do this anyway, investigate everything that you get presented with through the preached word or, or whatever through the prism of the Bible. Look it up for yourself. Make sure that what is being preached to you or, or, or presented to you is in alignment with what is in God's word. Don't just take it for granted that it's in alignment because it might not be. And that is your responsibility. Everybody keep your eyes fixed on the big picture. Not the minor and the little minutiae that we go through in everyday living. Keep your eyes fixed on the big picture. That our names are securely written in the book of life because we have our eyes fixated on Jesus. He is the big picture. And He has made a promise. And either He's a liar or we do have eternal life through him. He extends that invitation. Don't deny him. Take care. Stay safe. Keep growing. Overcome obstacles. And keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Bye-bye.